I'm Rehard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 219, for the week starting 20 May 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, Duncan's local spa has a Bitcoin ATM. It does indeed. Also this week, MTN to deploy LTE at 900 megahertz and why that's important. The latest on the Electronic Communications Amendment Bill, DSTV to launch a streaming-only option, OpenView HD to get its own news channel, and Rechart talks about Microsoft's new Xbox adaptive controller. It's Sunday, our new time slot, and that means it's time to talk all things tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechart? All good, danke. Very good, thanks. Uh, live streaming again on a Sunday afternoon. It's uh, significantly colder than it was last time we, this week, this time last week when we were recording. Oh, uh, yeah, very much so. Winter is upon us. Very winter much so. Yeah. Yes, winter is definitely here. So uh, nice and warm in, in my uh, studio here. Um, I see you're uh, kitted out there in a heavy jacket. <laughs> my little hoodie on, good thing not to... I look very gangster today. <laughs> you look like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, so, uh, of course, if you uh, want to uh, join us uh, when we live stream on a Sunday afternoon, usually around 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we'll tweet it out. You can now join us on live.techcentral.co.za. That's live.techcentral.co.za, where we have a chat box where you can uh, where you can chat to us and also listen to the show live. Whenever we're doing any live shows, uh, please, uh, please do join us there. Uh, you can also send us WhatsApp voice notes or WhatsApp messages on 071-999-1111. Please add that number to your phone. 071-999-1111. And we've received quite a few uh, um, WhatsApp messages in the last week or so. Uh, nice. So let's have a look at some of those. No, no voice notes this week, so um, please forgive me while I read these out. But uh, someone said, uh, let me see who someone is. Errol Gunn says... Very sobering listening to the interview you did with MultiChoice. That's uh, an interview I did uh, about a week ago with uh, Calva Mawella, the CEO yeah. of MultiChoice. Very interesting discussion. He says, I predict they will be dead the minute they breach the 1,000 Rand per month mark for premium. I got an interesting SMS from DSTV to which I responded. Not sure if it was spam. They were offering premium for 599 I accepted, but nothing eventuated keep those interviews coming well th- thanks errol yeah um multi-choice dstv premium for 5.99 a month almost certainly wasn't um a genuine offer um i think it's it's around about 960 a month now if you if you take everything including the pvr access fee uh, i think at 5.99 a month the dstvs would almost certainly be losing money um so yeah i, I would yeah, uh to pay. they do yeah indeed and uh, we've got another message here. This one is from Tafadzwa, who I think sent us a message last week as well. Um, he says, hi, guys. Did the influx of media boxes kill the HTPC? The user experience on the Apple TV is great, but the device is expensive. The Android boxes that have flooded the market are mostly cheap and nasty. I've tried three of them so far. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, the mediator is no more. I didn't know the mediator wasn't being sold anymore. That's interesting. Yeah, I've been around for a while. That was a very popular unit. It was almost... Best of both worlds gave you the power and capability of a PC, but with all the inputs for everything. I love my mediator back in the day. Um, it's kind of sad if it's not not around anymore. Um, but I suppose these cheap Android boxes have have eroded the market. Apple TV as well. It seems. I mean, it might just be the local local importers that's not happening. But um, yeah, well, it's a local happen. company. Mediator was local. It was, oh, a, South, was, it? It was a South it, African it, business. It yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. The website is very dated. Is it uh, European, they've got a .com. Um, European details on the Netherlands, but this site looks like it's out of the 80s. So, yeah, I don't think they're uh, oh, Interesting. So, Tafazov says, why is no one talking about HTPCs anymore? I can't even remember what HTPC stood for. Do you? Uh, home Theater PCs, I think it was. Home it was Theater PC, okay. Windows had a special edition version of uh, its operating system for it as well. Fantastic com- concept, but um, everything was basically just reduced into an app. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing. You know, it, it, there's so many ways to, to be built, to get that functionality without building an HTPC. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the day to get all those formats to work together back mm. before we had as uh, you know all the tools we have today and youtube and netflix yeah so tafadza carries on he says powerful small form factor devices such as the intel NUC surely make a strong case for the revival of the htpc don't they um quite possibly um what do you guys well, sorry, sorry go on he says, what do you guys use to consume media stored locally and in the cloud? Do you have? Do you still have content stored locally? Uh, I still have my HP micro server. Um, what, what do you use, Rechot, uh, to, to, to watch on your TV? To, to watch, sorry? To watch content on your TV. What, what do you connect to your TV? Oh, no, basically, it's a computer. So I've got a computer just running a browser. So everything I consume is to be a browser. Mm-hmm. It's, um, most of the stuff that I do is streaming YouTube and Netflix on my big TV. Yeah. I do on my on my PC. Um, I mean, it's obviously it's, again just streaming. Uh, yeah, know, yeah. I do the same thing. I've retired a, a, an old uh, desktop PC. It's next to my TV. It makes mm-hmm. a bit of noise sometimes, but uh, uh, it, it's fine. And uh, yeah, I just use Chrome on Windows and uh, and and stream through Netflix. What, what's nice about Chrome is you can uh, you can create desktop apps in 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 the browser. So you go to Netflix.com for example, and then you go to the settings menu and you say Add to Desktop, and you can just drag that icon onto the Windows taskbar to make it easily accessible. So I've got a whole range of icons on my on my on my task tray at the bottom of the screen for Netflix for. Amazon Prime Video for YouTube for Showmax for um, Plex for a whole range of video streaming options and it works very well. No, it does indeed. Um, it's, it's, I've got an old notebook. It, I didn't use it for anything else. It's just sitting there. It's just running a browser. It's good enough for streaming. But the benefit of having a PC, you can do other things as well. So doing stuff like Spotify, okay, you've got apps for everything now. But what's nice about Spotify is you can control it from your phone. So again, it's running on my PC in the living room on the TV playing the music and I can be anywhere in the house controlling mm. on my phone. So, yeah, now we, we are at a time now where we can actually, where the, where the stuff can communicates well enough for us to be able to, to kind of hack these things easily. Yeah. But back to, in the PC days, it wasn't this easy. Yeah. To find what's right there, the, the, the Android uh, set-top boxes, many of them are really are cheap and nasty. You probably want to try and avoid them if you can. Uh, there are, there are a few good ones. Um, I quite like the Roku boxes. Um, Quest Play sells that now, but I like the freedom of having a, my own desktop operating system with a browser because it allows me to do anything I want and I'm not l- limited to the ecosystem that the vendors created and, and limited to being able to only watch through apps. Um, if you've got a, a proper, if you've got a PC running Windows or, or MacOS, you can, you can do just about anything on your TV, which is fantastic. And what I've, what I have is a, a little Microsoft, I think it's called a Sculpt keyboard. It's a very light, portable, uh, c- little curved keyboard. It's it, it weighs probably a hundred grams, um, and that just sits on the coffee table with a with a mouse. And they're connected via Bluetooth to the PC, 
and um, you just put the, lap, the little Bluetooth keyboard on your lap yeah. and, uh, t- you know, you type in whatever you want on, on screen. And you can do anything with it. I mean, you can play games. You can you can uh, browse the Internet. You can check your email if, on your TV if you want to. Yeah, okay. uh, um, so it's, it's a good solution. Uh, I know some people swear by the Mac Mini as a as a as a desktop as a TV workstation uh, computer, but the Mac mm-hmm. Mini is quite expensive. Uh, you can get away with a much cheaper box. You can get a, um, I think Tafadza mentioned H- HP Micro. Um, I forget then which model it was, and my phone has now switched itself off. But um, it's a good option. You can buy a nice three thousand, four thousand rand Core i three PC, hook it up via HDMI to your TV, and and uh, Bob's your uncle. It works. Yeah. Okay, definitely. Look, even even um, even on Apple TV, I've got a few friends who use that very successfully. Um, they obviously have the Apple ecosystem already running, so for them, it's a it's a good transition. Mm. Apple TV is a nice product. It is. It is a nice product. Mm. But again, you know, with with us trying to move away from uniformity and also just looking at various things talking to each other, it's certainly not the best option in that case. If you just want something that works all the time, Apple TV is the way to go. But um, if you want to experiment more and have access to maybe more variety of content that maybe not on the Apple TV yet, yeah, got to do it. Yeah. So, so uh, send us, keep sending us uh, WhatsApp messages. We love to hear from you, and uh, if you can make them voice notes, we we do appreciate that. It just adds the interactivity. Oh seven one triple nine double one double one is the number. But let's get into the show proper now, and uh, let's get things started with our quiz. Rechot, do you want to do the first question? Certainly. Which bar in Johannesburg now has a cryptocurrency ATM? And how many subscribers did Vodacom add in the past year in South Africa? Third question. FNB has debuted a new way of opening a bank account. What do you now do to open that account? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. We'll get to that later. Uh, the CEO of Vodafone said this week he is stepping down after 10 years in the job. Uh, who is he? And the final question, the suspended CEO of Usasa, Lumko Mtinde, has lodged a complaint against his employer and its board with which government agency? And as always, we'll get to the answers at the end of the show. But let's jump into this week's news, and there's quite a bit to talk about, uh, including something which uh, was, I must say, a little unexpected when I went up to visit my local spa this morning. Um, standing at the checkout point to pay, I look across uh, and next to the cigarette counter. I, what do I see? A... What looks very much like an ATM with Bitcoin stamped on the front. So, of course, curiosity got the better of me immediately. And I went over there and uh, and took a photo of it. And uh, the manager, excited George is his name, <laughs> uh, excitedly came running over and we made introductions. And uh, um, turns out that George, who works 14 hours a day in the spa, these guys work incredibly hard, goes home and then spends another three hours trading in cryptocurrencies every day. Um, so he's a huge... Uh, Cool, man. <laughs> Huge fan of uh, project. crypto money. So um, he got hold of these guys. He got hold of these guys called Vendibit uh, and a um, guy called Daniel out here from uh, from Denmark. And he was in the store. So uh, we, we introduced, we, we had a chat for about 20 minutes about this machine. He showed me how it works, how you buy Bitcoin on it. He bought 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin uh, with, with a 50 rand note, which he inserted into the machine. Um, wow. Pretty cool. So this is the North Wall Spa in Randburg. Um, it's, um, you know, I, I would have expected them to put a Bitcoin machine maybe in in Santon or something. So, but uh, kind of cool to see it at my local uh, my local spa here in uh, 
in, in Randburg. And it's the second machine, apparently, these guys have installed. The first one they did about four years ago in Midrand, and they, Daniel was telling me that it was too early. They came to market too early. Um, but when I was chatting to George, who runs the spa, he said um, since they put it in yesterday or the day before yesterday, six people have bought Bitcoin already using it. Um, well, bits of Bitcoin. I'm sure they didn't buy whole, or did they buy whole Bitcoin? No, no. You can buy okay. in tiny, <laughs> tiny transactions. I mean, in the demo, he put a fifty buck banknote in, and uh, he got um, some mine, micro amount of Bitcoin. Um, well, but, I, would, I would totally, if I've got some, if it, you know, I've got some notes in my pocket, almost like a novelty thing. But if I've got an actual Bitcoin account, it's yeah. it, like a very good way of saving. You know, yes. you, this part just putting. The last bit of notes you had, the last bit of uh, coins and stuff. Yeah, but it's it was pretty cool to see it there, and um, there was so, so much interest. While I was chatting to this guy, uh, you know, shoppers were coming up and looking at the machine and asking questions, and so there's definitely a lot of interest. And um, he said, Daniel said to me that this is about democratizing Bitcoin and uh, taking away the mystique and the, the the you know a lot of people think Bitcoin and then they don't go near it because mm-hmm. oh this is too technically complicated. I, you know I'll never understand this. I can't. I think they need a computer and big hardware to actually mm-hmm. just have parts of it. Yeah. yeah. So he showed me how it worked. You, you install an app on your phone, um, and then it reads a QR code, or you scan a QR code, um, and then it link, links into your Bitcoin wallet, and then you just put money in the machine, and then it goes straight into your Bitcoin wallet. Is um, it allowed to set up a Bitcoin wallet there as well if you don't have one? Because it's to do it via the app or something. I'm sure that you can. Um, I, I did ask, you know, uh, what, what about people who don't understand how this works? They really don't know what they're doing and so you know is someone here go- going to be here to support them so so daniel said well yes george is here <laughs> you know this oh, who will be more than happy to help you i'm sure um and there's a big sign by the way behind the machine in huge letters it, it basically said we don't take any responsibility if bitcoin goes up or down um uh, a big disclaimer behind because <laughs> i suppose they don't want people coming back and saying oh i just bought ten thousand rands of bitcoin and now they're worth one thousand rand what have you done to me? Yeah, uh, fair enough. But I mean, I guess there's, there's definitely a level of education needed. Even if you just want to put in a few rands to test it out, mm. you still need to understand the basics. Yeah. Right, that's a good step. And it takes people with uh, enthusiasm like that to just you know introduce it to their communities. For sure. For sure. Um, it was an interesting chat with Daniel. They're doing a press launch tomorrow, actually, at, at 10 or 11 in the morning. I'm not going to make it. I've got to go to Microsoft tomorrow. Um, but uh, quite interesting. Um, so if you're in the uh, area, or even if you aren't, uh, it's worth popping into the Northwold Spa, uh, my local spa. I might even see you there since I'm <laughs> often there almost every day. Um, Duncan, when, when fans see you in the streets. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not that recognizable. <laughs> um, but uh, some excitement. Uh, and certainly, I, I, last thing I expected to see at my local spa, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool indeed. And oh, the other thing I wanted to mention about it was, uh, you know, I was wondering how these guys make money. Was there a transaction fee? There's no transaction fee, but they obviously um, make money on the um, the exchange rate. So the, the the rate the exchange is set at. And uh, Daniel was telling me that they are, have deliberately set the exchange so that it's more affordable than Luno. Oh, interesting. Mm. Interesting. I'm definitely going to pop around there. I'm going to buy some of that. 
Invest some Bitcoin. It's just fun, yeah. You could put a hundred bucks in the machine and and forget about it. You know, it's just. Although I, I think if you're um, going to start getting into Bitcoin seriously and and start um, building up a significant reserve of crypto money, you, you should probably do some more reading about how you secure it and uh, all that sort of thing, because uh, you know hardware tokens and and all this stuff, sort of stuff, because you don't don't want to lose it. So do some reading. What, what I'm quite interested in is is there, and I haven't been able to find the answer, like a really good solution, but is there a good Windows-based app that allows you to just mine on the side while your PC is not doing anything? I'm sure there, I'm sure you can do it, yeah. I'm sure you I'd can be, do it. I'd be, I'd be open to suggestions because yeah. I have found there's something called GUI Mine or GUI Coin or something weird like that. Mm. It just didn't, it's not the kind of thing I'm looking for exactly. You remember what um, when your screensaver came came on and you searched for aliens, SETI? Yes. Looking for that kind of a thing. Yeah. And then just runs when your PC's idle. Yeah. You just have to figure out whether it makes financial sense to do it because obviously your electricity bill is going to go up and you're also going to… It's about money, Duncan. It's about just mining uh, for the… <laughs> you just want to mine. <laughs> well, I, I understand. I understand that side of it. Obviously, but, yeah. you know, if your PC's running, it's going to cost electricity. But, yes. you know, I've put that aside. That is… Yeah. Yes, I understand that, but I just want to, I want, I want to, because I want to use it as a benchmark too. I want to see if I compare, and I shouldn't be giving away my cool tricks here, but I want, I want to test what the machine can benchmark, how many Bitcoins it can benchmark in 24 hours. Yeah. Just use it as an ongoing um, benchmark with various devices. All right. If you don't m- mind uh, the uh, your PC sounding like a jet engine 24 hours a day, um, I'm sure it's cool. Sorry, that's why we got server rooms, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, you're right. Yeah, but these days you can buy. Uh, you, you can actually rent space in, in in data centers to mine Bitcoin. Sure, still still way much more effort than just running it in your own PC. Wow. I think it'll be a cool experiment. Yeah, and and it's winter now, so you get a free heater. Exactly, that is the other benefit. <laughs> I think Linus your computer actually did a video on that how to use your PC efficiently to heat your room in winter. <laughs> I'm sure it'll work very well running Bitcoin mining 24 hours a day <laughs> if you don't mind the noise of your fans uh, spinning up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I went to Pretoria this week uh, to listen to the or to. Um, take part in a press conference with the Minister of Telecommunications and Postal Services, Sia Bonga Huele, um, at uh, GCIS in Pretoria. For some reason, they don't have dial-in facilities for these um, press conferences, which is really annoying because uh, driving all the way to Pretoria is a, is a bit of a pain. But I went through there and uh, managed to uh, sneak in some lengthy questions, and um, it was quite interesting. He said that the Electronic Communications Amendment Bill update Updated draft, the one that will be presented to Cabinet, will only probably happen around August, so there's been a delay of a few months there. Uh, But what he said was quite interesting. He said that they're taking into consideration all of the inputs that were provided at the March Stakeholders Conference, which I also attended in Pretoria, uh, where um, people like Shamil Jusup from Vodacom compared it to the Mining Charter and many other organizations slammed various aspects of it, including uh, what it plans to do around Spectrum and and possibly taking back Spectrum licenses from the operators, etc., and uh, he said uh, he said in the press conference in answer to uh, one of my questions that um, they are going to be taking these inputs very seriously and it is basically their duty to to consider the inputs from the public by public he means industry stakeholders 
Um, so possibly a positive development, but we'll have to wait and see what uh, that draft looks like in August. He wouldn't give any hints as to uh, what uh, changes uh, might be coming. He said it's too early for that. But um, I, th- I think the I think the government might have actually been taken a bit aback at the um, level of robustness against the uh, draft bill that came through. Cool. So I guess not too much more to say on that. Um, and we should probably take an ad break. We'll be back right after this. Hello? I know you're there. Look, I can see the lights of the TV. Please, I just want to watch the finale. Come on, guys, I'll give you a foot massage or anything. Time to get your own fiber? Speak to Vox. Because for a limited time period, you can save up to 3,000 Rand in installation costs. And we'll send a technician to help you get set up. Hello? Go to vox.co.za. Get fiber to your home. Get free installation and activation. Open the door to endless entertainment. T's and C's apply. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehat? So, this is an interesting story. DSTV is going to launch a streaming-only option. I suppose it was inevitable, right? It was inevitable. I'm surprised it came this later. I spoke this last week where I said they should have done this earlier, especially with the Supersport thing, mm. just to get ahead of all these issues that will undoubtedly creep up, and they'll have to go this way. But as when is it launching? Yeah. I mean, they, they're talking – it looks like it's going to be a – 2019 thing based on my discussions with Calvo Moella, the CEO. Uh, he said they'd be very lucky to have a product out by the end of this year. So probably, I'm, I'm guessing, but maybe first half of 2019. Um, and they're busy with figuring out how it'll be priced, what it'll look like, and all that sort of thing. Now, of course, DSTV already has something called DSTV Now. Um, have you used DSTV Now, Rechard? When I quit, when I cut the cord, they, I think that I still had they just launched DSTV Box Office where you could rent. They didn't have the, the DSTV Now option. Okay. It's so, quite yeah, good. I went uh, yeah, away it, from it. It's quite good, although it's, it's, had some, it's, it's gotten better. It had some streaming issues. Um, it would cut out. It, would just, it was as if, as if they hadn't allocated enough bandwidth to it or something. Uh, so it had quite a few of those challenges. I haven't noticed that recently, so I think they've improved that a bit. Um, but it's a nice product, but it just replicates the um, – the, the, it just replicates the existing satellite channels on on a, online. Uh, I don't know if that's enough for a streaming only product, or whether a streaming only product has to offer something else. I guess it you know it would have to feature. Well, DSTV now, of course, has catch up as well, mm-hmm. um, which, which is more than you get more content on on the online version than you do on on catch up on the on on the on the PVR. Um, does it need to offer? I don't know. Um, I actually don't know what it should offer, but um, it, I, I do think it's going to have to be cheaper than the satellite uh, version. Obviously, satellite is very expensive to distribute through. Um, it's cheaper to distribute online, I think, I would imagine. I mean, putting a satellite up there is a very, very expensive proposition. Uh, I don't know how much cheaper it would be or could be, um, maybe 60% of the price. Look, they still have the infrastructure. They still have those big overheads, right? It's not they like do. they make the back end switch immediately. So 
but so even if they offer just broadcasting of live TV, mm. live live TV services, so I log in and I watch whatever's streaming live at that point, like they do on MNET and all those other channels. Um, yeah, I can see it working well if you know, if they just offer it. I'm sure it'll be cheaper to broadcast. Yes, um, but yeah, it's going it's, it's it's going to be a bit of an uphill journey, I think. Still, yeah. And it would be interesting to see if it's just one product or whether there's going to be a whole bouquet of products like we have on the satellite side of things. Um, you know what would work incredibly well, and I don't know if they'll do it, is um, is a super sport package online that offers nothing but the super sport channels. It would be hugely popular. You know, I would actually sign up for that because I used to when I had DSTV, I, I, was, I enjoyed channel hopping. And some of the sports channels, especially some of the ESPN stuff that they started broadcasting, was quite interesting. You know, I'm not a massive sports fan. I don't watch everything. Mm. But there, there is, there is, there's definitely something nice about, you know, having a sport on when you're standing around having a few beers around the bright type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I can see value in having that content shown in my house on a regular basis because I also enjoy some of the odd sports too to watch. Mm. But I don't have access to that any other way. There's no way that I can subscribe to those things. Even if yeah, well. Even at five five hundred rand a month, I think they'd get a lot of signups for uh, the full bouquet of Supersport channels if they provided an HD. A lot um, of happy dads, a lot of disappointed kids because they'll lose out on all the other content. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, cut the cartoon network. We're going getting Supersport <laughs> <laughs> only. <laughs> but a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people would do that. They would, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I often hear it said that um, the, the 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 main s- selling points for for uh, DSTV are Super Sport and the kids channels. Uh, yeah. You know, the sport for for dad and uh, and uh, the kids channels, so that uh, mom and dad can uh, give the kids something to do while they go shopping or something. <laughs> but you need the package that allows you to view separate channels in different rooms because that was always a clash as well, right? Yeah. When sport is on, the kids can't watch the shows. Well, with online, that's not an issue at all. Anymore, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Netflix, the amount of children's content on there is incredible. And they've got this beautiful kids overlay so that kids can only watch the kids' content. I How mean, do you know this? You don't have kids? Got, no, no, no. I've got friends with kids. So. Okay. You're yeah. not watching the kids' content yourself there, right? No, no, no. no. <laughs> no I do watch some. No, actually, the stuff that I watch isn't kids' content. might be cartoons, but I wouldn't call Rick and Morty kids' content. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> I think that's got an age restriction on it somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes that overlay great again. But yes, I mean, GSTV to catch up was out, I doubt. Yeah. Um, Supersport only streaming package would do incredibly well, but uh, I don't know if they'll do it. Um, it's it's so key to their proposition. And uh, I think if there was a Supersport only option, they, they could lose a lot of subscribers to the um, existing bouquets. I don't know if the, I don't know if Multi-Choice still has this product available, but a few years ago they they uh, they had the Walker, those mini screens. Oh yes. They also had a, a little remote receiver that you could connect to something. I can't remember how it all worked, but it was DTH, DT, DVB. What was it? Yes. DVBH. It was um, it was it was digital terrestrial television designed for small screens. Yes, exactly. But I mean, they they obviously put a lot of effort and money into that. I mean, mm. that infrastructure, those devices couldn't have been cheap. So their thinking was in additional or, or, or new distribution methods. But mm. I think they were thinking the wrong way. They didn't look at phones as because everybody's got a phone, right? Why would I go spend money on an additional screen just to watch something that was the reception, which wasn't fantastic everywhere you went to begin with. Mm. 
I think they're still running that network. Um, I stand to be corrected, but you're right. It, it's, uh, it, it, ne- it never really took off in a massive way. But the money they put in there, they could have probably, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course, but, you know, imagine the effort that they put, if they did, if they put that effort into a digital distribution network mm. and build a, a solid back end for running all of their online services. Yeah. Okay. Now, from the digital streaming of the DSTV Go to the catch-up. Well, they're making those investments now, um, and those platforms are available and have improved. And, of course, they now also own Showmax. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, I don't know if it's the same back-end that, uh, that they use. Um, I suspect probably not, probably not, not yet anyway. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've said uh, they've clearly see streaming as the future. In fact, Calvin Willis said to me that eventually um, DTH satellite is going to go away. Uh, he said that uh, multi-choice, if it doesn't innovate in the streaming space, will f- find itself in the same position that newspapers did when the internet came along, uh, the World Wide Web came along. Um, so they they see this as an existential threat. They they say if they don't innovate and they just stay as a satellite to home um, provider, then they are very real risk of being disintermediated and their business destroyed. And he was using language like that. Mm. Um, so they're taking it very seriously. And whatever they bring to market, I suspect, is going to be a strong product offering. Um, but they, need, they do need to price it correctly. Um, yeah. and, and sport, I think, is going to be key to how they, uh, how, how they package this. And I mean, let's not forget the other players that's tried to come. Yes, multi-choice have got the, they've got the, the big footprint already. But I mean, how many guys have come along with Black is the latest one? Uh, you know, there's a few others that come and gone. Mm. Um, you know, I hope they look into these guys and see what failed there. Yes, got, like I said, they've got a big footprint, but it's not, that can't help you if your back end and your your the product that you're offering mm. isn't solid. Key, the key thing is content. I mean, it, that has to be the number one thing. Um, and pr- probably right behind that is is being uh, correctly priced. I think mm-hmm. those are probably the two most important things. And then, of course, you've got to have um, you've got to have a robust distribution platform. You can't have your product buffering all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to offer it in HD. Um, you probably have to offer it in in, in multiple resolutions because um, not the whole market will really want to be watching in HD or can watch in HD. Um, but uh, you, your system has to be robust. But so it's content. I'd imagine it's content pricing and distribution. Get those things right, then then you. And Netflix, unfortunately, is a benchmark in all of those things. If it you look is. at how, how it how it is able to perform really well on any device you play it. I mean, I've, I've, I use it on all of my devices mm. uh, for a period of months, you know, from an iPad to a desktop machine, and they all work fantastic. The way it picks up where you left off. There's little things in the artwork that also changes. Mm. And the benchmark is very high now for them to actually, you know, come to the market with something that's really going to appeal to the end users. Yeah. Uh, but they work out art for them without a doubt. For sure. For sure. So some other interesting news in the broadcasting market this week. OpenView HD, which is the free-to-air satellite distribution platform, part of the um, eMedia Investments uh, whole, uh, stable, which also includes ENCA and ETV, uh, announcing that there's now going to be a um, – news channel on OpenView HD. Um, it's not clear if it's going to be a 24-hour news channel at this stage. It's also only going to broadcast in SD at launch, with HD possibly coming later. Um, but it adds a lot of value to that, that platform, potentially. Uh, what's interesting is that um, ENCA is already part of the stable, and it's not ENCA that's going to be going on to OpenView HD. I think the reason for that is because 
um, DSTV has ENCA as an exclusive channel, uh, and so their contract prohibits them, I think, uh, from offering ENCA on other platforms, including its own OpenView HD platform. So in the press release that they sent out, they made it quite clear, uh, and I think it's because of that agreement, that uh, this channel will be developed um, by a separate editorial team. It will have its own separate management, and in fact, its studios will be in Cape Town, not Johannesburg, where ENCA is headquartered. Um, but it's but it's interesting that um, you know that op- these guys seeing an opportunity for another um, another news channel, uh, and the OpenView HD platform, given that it's free, is not bad at all. Um, uh, you just have to pay for a decoder and installation, and the deco- yeah, yeah. it's pretty cheap. I think the decoder is like three hundred rand or four hundred rand. Um, you're not getting DSTV quality ch- like channels on there, but you are getting more than you'd get through free to air through a free-to-air bunny aerials uh, scenario where you just get the SABC and ETV. Uh, here you're getting, uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 channels. Um, I haven't looked lately. Um, and you're also getting all the ETV, SABC channels, plus movies channels, um, religious channels, a few other things, a couple of news services. So, it's, you know, beggars can't be choosers. At, at zero rand a month, it's, it's not a bad offering. Um, no. And and now getting a news channel, um, which is uh, which is which is which is quite interesting. Um, uh, we I do, think we you're right. It adds a lot of credibility, mm-hmm. um, and it, it it can take the, it can take the, the take them very far if they can get that right. I think. Yeah. So they've had 1.2 million activations on OpenView HD, but they they don't say how many of, of those are actually live viewers. Um, Honestly, I have no idea. Is it half a is it half a million? Is it a million? I don't know. But um, one point two million activations. Um, I wonder how they saw advertising without making those numbers available. Well, I'm sure they make them available to advertisers, but it's not something oh, they. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, so yeah, OpenView HD is an inter- interesting proposition. I think it's uh, something that has the potential to shake up this market quite a bit. Um, uh, Hearing rumors that that uh, government may be looking at satellite distribution instead of going DTT now, uh, nothing firmed up. But uh, if that's the case, then OpenView HD is in a very powerful position. Yeah. Rechot, you wanted to talk about Microsoft's new Xbox adaptive controller. I saw a headline about this uh, during the week, but I didn't have a chance to read the story. Um, it's quite significant, I believe. Yeah, I think I think this is. Absolutely fantastic. Um, we know Microsoft has been doing quite a bit with accessibility on their operating system um, for years now. Uh, so this is this is on the Xbox platform. And what they've basically done, I don't know if you've seen photographs as well with uh, taking a look at it. Um, it. For a lack of a better description, it almost looks like a mixing desk, two big black pads with mm. some buttons on the side. What you may not see from the photographs is on the back, it's got an array of I.O. options. Um, most of it's based, well, all of it's based on 3.5 millimeter input connectors. And what this essentially allows you to do or allow anybody to do is to customize the input. <clears throat> so anybody with, with any type of disability can, with whatever input mechanism they have or that they've, they've got to, to move or communicate, use that as input into the controller for gaming. I mean, that's pretty much as simple as what it is. What they, what you can also do is with this, um, with this kit, you can set up a second Xbox controller to actually assist the uh, the assisted player, the accessibility requirement player, um, to play a game. So I can play with um, my nephew, for example, who is uh, who requires maybe can't move his arms in a certain way. I can move the controller up and down while he will be able to shoot by pressing a button, 
if that if that kind of description um, is descriptive enough, um, it's a very cool it's a very cool project. Uh, I think just allowing the, the open endedness of the inputs, meaning you can put any control into it, any input into it. Um, I think we're going to see some really cool adaptations of this technology, and a lot more gamers, obviously, on uh, on the Xbox platform. Is it just a tech concept at the stage, or is this an actually a product that's coming to market soon? No, it's going to be available at ninety nine dollars. Oh, right, uh, they've got pricing already. Okay, yeah, the pricing. I can't see availability, but I would imagine it's going to be out very, very soon. If it's not out already, um, because it's been in the hands of so many people already. There's a lot of videos on uh, on, on YouTube of uh, you know of of this controller in use already. So it's very exciting stuff. I really like it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how people are, are using this. Great. We'll include a link in the, in the show notes if you want to go and have a look at, look at, the, uh, at photos of this thing. Um, Richard, if you just add a URL to the show notes, that would be great. Sure. Um, let's move on to our uh, regular features, and uh, we'll start with our winner and loser of the week. Our winner this week is Comsol, uh, which is a Midran-based wireless communications company that is deploying a 5G network in South Africa. They may be first to market with a commercial 5G network, although the mobile operators will be chasing them hard, I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but they announced this week, um, and we broke the news through Tech Central, that um, Verizon, which is one of the biggest telecommunications companies in the world, um, they are uh, um, headquartered in New York, and um, they operate uh, one of the biggest wireless networks in the U.S. Together with Samsung Electronics, are um, going to be assisting Comsol in deploying a 5G um, trial network in, South- in Johannesburg in the coming months. It's going to be live uh, in the third quarter of this year. And they're going to be creating demonstration points in a public street where people will be able to go and play with 5G technology and see what it can do, nice. um, which is going to be quite cool. They're going to create two base stations uh, with gigabit, I think 10 gigs of uh, bandwidth into each base station. Uh, and they're going to be using millimeter wave spectrum in the 28 gigahertz bands uh, to prove the technology. They're also going to have live customers on the trial. Uh, and it's all going live in the next few months. They're going to be showcasing it at the big ITU Telecom World Conference, which is coming up in Durban later this year. Um, and uh, going to be quite a lot of excitement. But uh, well done to Comsol for getting the backing of a uh, telecommunications giant like Verizon, which uh, hasn't been invested in this market for some time. Remember they used to own UUNet, um, which I think Ooh, eventually became yeah. was eventually subsumed into MTN business. Um, uh, so I, I do wonder if this is the start of Verizon possibly looking at the South African market again, uh, showing some interest here. And, of course, Samsung, one of the biggest um, electronic uh, electronic companies in the world. Um, and they're talking about launching a, a commercial network by early next year, uh, once the 5G standards have been more bedded down. Uh, so looking forward to hearing some more of that. So that's our winner this week, uh, the guys at Comsol. And um, our loser this week is Centec. Um, I, hate, I almost hate to pick on them because this isn't, is not their fault. But uh, they're losing 150 million rand a year uh, as the delays in digital migration um, uh, stack up. Um, that was uh, the figure that was revealed this week by Siabonga Huele, the telecoms minister, in his press conference ahead of his budget speech in parliament. Uh, and the 150 million rand a year is purely so that they can keep running an analog and a digital network at the same time in something that's known as dual illumination. Uh, so the the um, these terrible delays, uh, government, partially government created, also broadcasting industry created, delays in um, in digital migration is costing Centec 150 million rand a year, and um, ultimately it's costing us 150 million rand a year because 
Centec is a state-owned company. So they were, the Centec are loser this week, although it's not their fault, I should emphasize. Uh, what's your pick this week, Richard? So uh, I'm, I'm going to pick an, like an additional feature to a product that we all love, Duncan, and it's Dropbox. Uh, they've got an extended version history feature. And the reason why I'm picking it is because this week it's really kind of saved me probably three days' worth of work. Um, now, what this feature is, so for everybody who's, who's on Dropbox, obviously this is an additional, you pay $4 extra for this. And what it does is it saves um, unlimited versions of each file that you store on Dropbox for a year. Hmm. Now, what I what I mean, it's helped me before quite a lot. But what what in, in what I use Dropbox for a lot is to have live design files on. I've got a team of people working on these files, um, and yeah, I mean, we all just collaborate on this Dropbox account. On, I, I don't have a business account; it's just my personal account. I've just got some shared folders. So, with extended version history, what happened earlier this week? Some files got deleted completely, and obviously, it wiped wiped everything. Mm. Um, and we also had to go back and get previous versions because some of the files were overwritten. And it literally took me probably about 10 minutes just to select the files I wanted to, because you can see which files have been also, also been deleted. So you can just go in, find the files, undelete them, and within five minutes, everything is back to where they were. It's an absolutely fantastic feature. And uh, the reason why I subscribed to it initially about five years ago, I think when I first got it, was for the very same reason. You know, If I have photographs on there and I edit them, or if I have working on files and I accidentally overwrite certain things, which do happen with me, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I kind of knew this would help. And this week was the prime example uh, of that. Um, and you know, if you have live files to work with, I would highly recommend it. Unlimited revisions of your files for up to a year. It's absolutely fantastic. Great stuff. Great stuff. I must say I haven't used Dropbox in quite a few years. I, uh, I use um, OneDrive and Google Drive now. Um, OneDrive because I get a terabyte of storage with my Office 365 subscription. And uh, and Google Drive, just because for some reason I've got a lot of storage on there. I'm not sure where it came from. I think it, it <laughs> came from review phones that I got over the years, and they kept offering Don't me free. as well. Uh, they probably will eventually, but uh, <laughs> I've got about 300 gigs on Google Drive, and I haven't paid for it, so I just keep using it. <laughs> yeah, I'm using about half a terabyte, and to be honest with you, wow. um, I'm, I'm hesitant to move to anybody else. Dropbox is, is just, you know, I've, I get what I pay for, yeah. and I kind of – it's like you entrust the company. I just entrust their service more than others, I guess. The syncing to me is also much better into, across multiple devices. Have they um, got local? Um, have they got local servers? How, what's the upload and download speed like on Dropbox compared to Google Drive, for example? Look on Fiber, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I can cap it. If I'm not busy with anything, it'll it'll probably go full speed. Yeah. So I mean, I think okay. if I look at uh, at the hundred meg line at the office, I usually upload sixty seventy megs. I think. Okay, so they must have some sort of infrastructure here, even if it's through Akamai or someone like that. I'm sure they must have some mm. local Yeah. But I would highly recommend it. Uh, I know the other services are great. I also, have, I also have a OneDrive subscription because it comes free with Office. But I don't know. I just, yeah, Dropbox to me is, you know. Yeah. It doesn't break if it's not broken, then fix it. Once, once the uh, local Microsoft Azure data centers are launched, I'm, I'm going to uh, do some testing on on, uh, on OneDrive and see how it's improved because it ha has historically been quite slow. And how's it syncing and, and the, those additional features? You know, like do they save versions of your files? You know, do you, I think Google Drive does. Um, but I could be mistaken. I know that uh, the Google um, applications do, uh, so, so Docs and, and the spreadsheet and stuff, you can go back through revisions. I'm, I'm not sure yes. if it works in the cl Cloud Drive storage service at all. Mm -hmm. I haven't checked. Interesting. 
We're open for suggestions if anybody wants to uh, submit those. Yeah, please do. 071 is our number. Um, my pick this week, and I, 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 I'm always a bit reluctant to pick something that I haven't played for or used for a lot, um, but um, it is on special on Steam right now for 160 rands, so I thought I'd get in and pick it now um, in case anyone was keen to, to jump in. Normal price, I think, is around 450 if I remember. Yeah. And that's a game called Stellaris for Windows. It came out about two years ago, um, but it's had a major update, uh, which some people have criticized, and I have, must admit I haven't played the game enough yet to know if that criticism is justified, but it is a beautiful game one of these space simulation strategy games uh if you enjoy those um games like homeworld and elite and that sort of stuff um stellaris it's very good it's 160 bucks on steam at the moment i'm just a disclaimer i haven't played it exhaustively only for an hour or two so far but it's absolutely the graphics are absolutely stunning um and i love these uh, space strategy games they they're good fun and if I had the opportunity to do so, which I don't, I'd probably pick Frostpunk again because I'm absolutely loving that game. Um, I picked it last week. Um, yeah. Absolutely great. Have you had a chance to play it, Yedra? I bought it. It's, in my, it's sitting there. I just haven't. I've just been. So I'm still fixated on PUBG. It's the most frustrating. <laughs> I think you'll just have to uninstall PUBG yeah. and and. Uh, and and ban Steam from installing it again for a well, week or something. Well, uh, it's actually good because it's making me not game as much. Because I play two or three games a day, and okay. they do not last long. But by that time, I'm so frustrated. I just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go do You're some done. work, go ride my bike or something. <laughs> Fire up Frostpunk. You'll really enjoy it. I will definitely do it this week. Cool. And I think that's our show, apart from our quiz results. Um, let me do the first question. Which spa in Johannesburg now has a cryptocurrency ATM? And the answer is Duncan's Spa. No, no, seriously. <laughs> uh, it is uh, the Northwold Spa in Randburg. And if we mention your name, what do we get discount? No, probably not. Oh, okay, we're well worth trying. I'll speak to George. He might help. <laughs> Second question. How many subscribers did Vodacom add in the past year in South Africa? And the answer is 4.5 million. Pretty big and- number. Yeah, yeah, very impressive number, actually. Um, the earnings slightly missed, though, so the share price fell. FMB has, de- 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 b- b- FMB has debuted a new way of opening a bank account. What can you do now to open an account? And the answer is take a selfie. Well, you, you, don't, you don't seem to approve there, Duncan. No, no, I don't. But it's quite cool tech. It's actually quite cool tech. It's linked to the new biometric system that uh, the Department of Home Affairs has launched. Uh, And um, I believe there's some pretty impressive security behind it um, from a brief chat I had with someone at FNB. But it's it's all linked on the new the new all linked to the new uh, Home Affairs uh, biometric platform that's that's uh, that that was launched uh, also this week. Um, But it's uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. It's just the concept of taking a selfie to open a bank account that just doesn't really appeal to me no for sure but the innovation it's somebody at least somebody's driving something really cool yeah it's it's marketable it's more it's a marketable concept let's put it that way fourth question the ceo of vodafone said this week he's stepping down after 10 years in the job who is he and the answer is vittorio kalau and our last question this week uh, the suspended ceo of usasa lumkum timde has lodged a complaint against his employer and its board with which government agency? And uh, the answer is the public protector. And that situation's getting a bit messy. And that's our show for this week. Uh, as always, if you've got any feedback, our email address is info at techcentral.ca.za or even easier, send us a WhatsApp message or a voice note on 71 We may include voice notes in this show. So please keep them coming. Um, and that's it, Rechat. Until next week. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.